You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. Look, it's your boy Roy. You give me questions, I'm going to give you answers. You talking to me? Maybe answers you want to hear. What is that, Elvis? Maybe answers you don't want to hear. Who the fuck do you think you're talking to? What the fuck is wrong with you? Shit, ask him anyway. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! What questions you got for me today? Welcome to the Questions by Roy's show. This is episode 29. Um, usually I have the crew with me today, but it's just me. I'm getting sick of these niggas taking a day off. I'm going to fire somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but today I have a special guest with me. I'm going to go from... My right to their left, whatever the case may be, and go around and let everybody introduce themselves. You go first. Oh, Shay. Smitty Johnson. Asha Gilbert. Okay. And today we are going to talk about what it's like to be black in America. Mm. Well, that, that's a, a, a strong uh, topic uh, dealing with all the issues that we have going on as far as social injustice, as far as wrongfully being killed. Um, RP, it's so many names I can be here all night to say, you know, RP to everybody. The first thing is first, though, that it's a, to- a topic I want to touch on. Um, do you feel like the being black in America, let me ask you that. What's, what does it describe? Describe that to me as far as how you feel about that. Like, describe that in your own words, what it's like to be black in America. I'll start with you first. Since you're looking at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, honestly, this is kind of fresh for me because I didn't grow up like here. I grew up overseas. Mm. So to come over in America is kind of different because I'm just so used to seeing a different diversity group of people. Mm. And it was never like, oh, you're black, I'm white. It was just, we all were military kids, so we all just never looked at each other that way. But honestly, like, I had my first black boyfriend when I got here. Mm. No, I'm gonna say no, no, no. Mm. I'm gonna rephrase that. No, no. My first, no, no, no. You got the first nigga <laughs> oh, I okay. dated. It's I the you. difference between black men and niggas. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. But it's kind of different. I've never experienced racism. Mm-hmm. It's so I don't know how it is, and it's sad. But I can't, I can't really like, what's the word? Relate to it. Relate to it. Okay. That's why I say I can't even touch on this subject. I got you. <laughs> no, I got you. What about you, pops? By the way, uh, this is my father. It's my motherfucking nigga. What's happening? Go ahead. What about you? Um. First of all, I ain't black. Okay. Uh, secondly, I'm biracial. Mm. Uh, my mother is from the Philippine Islands. She came to this country in 1952. My father's, uh, what I, R.I.P. Mama, love you. Um, my father, I wouldn't consider black. I would consider as an aboriginal of this land. I think we as people of color have to understand that that term black is really hurting us more than helping us because if you look at it, you look at this color right here, this is black. There's no one in here that same color. We are all different shades of brown. Okay, and we as people have to understand that we need to get away from that. Now, this young lady said that she just came from overseas and I guarantee you, 
overseas, she was treated openly and warmly because they know about us. We don't know about ourselves. And, and that's the major issue as uh, far as everything concerning being so-called black in America. There's no really no white person in America, if you think about it. Um, what, what kills me is people would say that Lucy, who is the oldest bones we found for human civilization, if, if she is the original one, that means white people came from it, so-called white people came from it too. And we all have to look at this and understand it's not race. When you say race or it's racist, um, the is part, the I-S-T part. You're about to get real. Uh, yeah, it's about to get real. The I-S-T part mm -hmm. is basically telling a love or something. So if you're a violinist, that means you love to play the violin. Right. If you're a pianist, you, you love, love to play the piano. the piano. So if you're a racist... You love your race. So everybody that's walking around is a racist, whether you want to believe it or not. We as a people, first of all, and we're about to get deep in here. Oh, shit. We as a people have to understand, people of color, is that, <laughs> I'm going to hit this political thing. Democrats ain't for us. I'm going to just put it out like that. If you look through the history you will find out that the KKK was founded and developed by the Democrats. And the Republicans were the one who was against slavery. Mm. What happened in Reconstruction, nobody can give a straight answer to. But at one point in time in Reconstruction, we were holding banks. We had 155 banks. We had senators. We had judges. You had 147 uh, representatives out of, out of this state of Georgia. Mm. And like I was telling you earlier, the 40 acre and the mule agreement was made right here in Savannah, in Savannah Georgia. Mm -hmm. You know, so we as people, think about it this way. If 45 million people of color stopped deciding to shop at Walmart, what do you think would happen? Okay, so if that if that's the case, why do we have all this economic power and not using it to our advantage? Because they divide us. And the reason they divide you, we divide us and they divide us. Check it out. I'm gonna tell you how they divide you. When you turn on the TV, you're gonna hear a Republican say the left did something, and then you're gonna hear a Democrat say well the Republicans did something. So they're going to always keep us divided because once we reunite, it becomes we the people. And people need to understand that we are the power, not the government. The government don't do shit. You see what I'm saying? The Federal Reserve Bank is not a, a, a government institution. It's owned by five, uh, five private families that run this country. Alright nigga, you better go too deep. <laughs> <laughs> shit. That nigga, that nigga drove from Florida for this shit. Hey, alright, I drove he two did. hours like, to get on this and talk about this because it has I, I have two wonderful grandkids, okay? And I don't want my grandkids to go around and beg anybody for anything. So in order for us to fix what is wrong with us, the first thing we need to do is take care of the elderly because they own or hold the key to the past. Then we got to take care of the kids because they hold the key to the future. Mm -hmm. So if you are an educator in the Savannah Public Schools and you're a history teacher and you're teaching this 
bogus history, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You ought to be ashamed of yourself because I am, I am an Army veteran as well. I spent 12 years in the Army. I've been to Russia. I've been to England. I've been to Germany. I've been all over this planet. Trust me, it's better. We are better treated outside of this country than we are in this country because every war that we ever had, 117 of them, every person of color has fought in this war. When you fought in the war, you came home, you wore your uniform, then you turned around and probably be hanging from a tree. Man, nigga, you was a male man. They got it there, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. but that's my opinion. All right, we're going to Let's get on you. What's your, what's your opinion? I can only speak on my personal experience. So being a black, especially a black woman in America, I think has been a <clears throat> uphill battle. I think from the very beginning, it you're faced with a lot of adversities that many other people don't face. Um, I come from a one-parent household. Mm-hmm. Raised by my mom primarily. Me and my dad are like best friends now, but he wasn't there at the beginning. Um, going to school, there was a lot of separation, even in the black community, because of how I talked and my rhetoric and my diction. So I wasn't black enough for the black people, but I wasn't white enough. I wasn't white. So I kind of found myself in this weird kind of whatever, trying to fit in wherever I was. Could you know? I joined the gang or whatever. I did all types of crazy shit. shit. You know, trying to fit in. Oh yeah, I was. I was really about that. I was just. I just wanted to find a place where I could be. You know, and I think for a lot of young black people, we kind of trying to just find out where we fit in at, Mm -hmm. and we're really not even supposed to fit in. We're just supposed to be ourselves. But when you're young, you don't know that. You just want a place to fit in. And then coming into adulthood, um, especially moving from Atlanta to Savannah. It's racist yeah. as fuck. <laughs> it, I deal with so much racism, even in my job. Some people look at me like, oh, you're a reporter? This is what you do? Like, they don't even expect it. They think I'm a the helper. You know, just something. Like, they don't even expect for me to be in my profession. They don't expect for me to, to talk the way I do or to have the things I have. Because it's just like, here's this black woman with tattoos, long nails. Right. Usually I'm bald here, but I wore a wig today because it's cold, you know? <laughs> Don't expect me to, to be the way I am. And you might see me out turning up or whatever the case is, and then they think that's who I am. Right. But they don't know the professional option. So I think it's an uphill battle. Right. Um, but our resiliency, that's what I would say. Being black in America is about resiliency. It's, it's uh, interesting you talked about the workplace um, mm-hmm. because I can relate to that as well. Um, blue, being a blueprint estimator on the collision side of things, not many black or African American kings, queens um, are in that profession. Mm-hmm. So when I go up to the counter and they're like, you know, can I get an estimate? I'm like, all right, let's get you an estimate. Right. The first initial action is like, well, damn, okay. And it's, it's sad that it's that way, but it's also um, understanding their mind frame. They don't know any better. In a sense, some but wouldn't that be ignorance, though? It is ignorance because I it's think a lot of people should know. Oh yeah, most definitely. Or start to bro- start the process of learning. Yes, you can't be ignorant. They got to be that. willing to want to start the right. process of learning. Some of them are comfortable with the fact that just looking at us as the people that take our trash, the help. Right, like you said, the people in the back cooking. You know, the people. Yeah. Facts and and touching on that parts, uh, 
Cause you're a little older. I ain't gonna say you're too ancient. <laughs> oh, right. I can still kick it, homie. <laughs> Shout out to you. Uh, in a professional aspect of things, has uh, being black affected you at all? Cause she just touched on that. I touched on that. What about for you? Um, I am a negotiator for a legal company. Uh-huh. Um, so I am the only person of color in a negotiation team. Um, and the reason they picked me because I had 13 years of uh, debt collection underneath my belt. And of course my voice, you know, and I scared the hell off them. (laughs) Basically when I did the interview, the interview lasted five minutes. The motherfucker already told me, Hey, this is how much you're going to pay. I said, that's not enough. I need more. He gave me more, you know what I'm saying? So one thing I'm going to go off topic a little bit. Just, I just want to touch something. Stop calling yourself African Americans. Yeah. Okay? What part of Africa are you from? True. I, I mean, haven't, I haven't done the test yet. Yeah. <laughs> that, that DNA test is bogus. I did read a lot of reviews that it's, it's harder bogus. for us to get, like, where exactly we're from because we don't have, not enough black people or people of color are doing the test. So when white people do it, and it's a whole bunch of them, right. they can match the genetics with the other ones. Mm. But for us, it's it's difficult or more di- do, difficult. Do y'all realize the term white people was invented in 1619? I want you to think about that for a minute. Yeah. Think about that. Let that resonate in your mind for a minute. Because before 1619, uh, we was marrying white women. They was having our babies. We was working beside them. We shared crop with them. We did everything. Then in 1619, England came up with this wonderful ideal to stop interracial marriages. So they came up with these rules. They started calling them white, gave them more power, called us black, and made us look like domicile. And then here comes Jesse Jackson. So many years later, him and his five goon friends <laughs> went get together one day and say, hey, we now African Americans. Who the hell made that decision? I mean, I can't really point to a place in Africa I'm from because I don't know. Now, if you want to ask me about the Philippines, yeah, I could point to it. I can tell you exactly where it is because I've been there two, three times. But on my father's side, I can't do that. So why are you calling me African-American? Why can't we just call each other human beings and, and be done with it? If you want to end racism, take it off the applications. Right. Take, it, take it off all, everything. If you want to end sexism, take it off the application. You don't need to be male or female. It's all about the individual person. It's going to take them a thousand fucking years before they even decide to do that. Well, it, 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 really, it really doesn't take them a thousand years. It takes us the goal to step on the Capitol and tell them, look, this is how it needs to be. If you don't want to do it this way, we, don't, we ain't going to fuck with you. Okay. We're not, we not going to vote for you no more. We're not going to support you. We're not going to do anything for you. And that's what needs to happen. You need to go in there and do some strong arming on these crackers. For real. You need to go in there and just strong on it. Hey, hey, hey. You need strong This is real and uncut, so hey. That's what he feels, that's what he feels. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll be 57 in March, okay? So that means I have seen a whole lot. It has to be an Aries. No, I'm not. I'm a Pisces. I'm an intelligent one. Yeah, Yeah, so... (laughs) 
one thing, one thing we as people have to understand is that we have to get out of the mentality of waiting for someone to save us. We understand that, Negro. We are Joe talking. Biden, Kamala Harris is <laughs> not going to save us. We are talking about your job. My okay. job is to make sure people pay their damn bills yep. when they can't afford to pay them. And trust me, it's more white people that sign up with they, my program than people of color. I'm just going to keep it real. Yes. Okay? They in debt for $180,000, and it's me, the person of color, <laughs> has to come along and save their ass <laughs> at the bottom line. That's that's it. But as far as the job is concerned, it is what it is. It's a job. Yeah. As long as my check clears every two weeks and I can see my deposit in my checking account, we cool. You could be purple, blink. I don't care. As <laughs> long as my check clears, we cool. You know, and and people give people power. Right. You know, we were all the white dude up there. You know, he's he's the boss and this and that. He's just another person. He put on his pants just like I do. I zip up in the front. I don't know if he zip up in the back, but I zip up in the front. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it is what it is. All right. Let's, how about you, young lady? Does racism affect your workplace at all? Um... Well, I did have one because I usually work out at the golf course. Mm -hmm. um, so, shout out to mom. I actually had these braids in my head. It was like two braids. And it went like down to my butt. And I turned around to get him a beer. And when I went back to the register to ring him up, he said, You must be a stripper with all that hair down to your back. Damn. Wow. And. I looked and I was like, no, sir, I'm not. And it's like, it took everything in me to not go off and to not say what I really wanted to say. And that was like the first time I actually heard something like that. And I was like a little start. I was like a little struck because I was like, whoa, people really say stuff like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was the older guy there. He, he was like, so he's up in age and I told him what what happened. He was like, Oh, I'll go say this to that. I said, No, 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 it's okay. I said I just needed to get it off my chest and say mm -hmm. th say something to somebody. But also even at Cinnabon, I had this it was a black lady. Try the mom do this again. <laughs> <laughs> <She owns> it. <laughs> it was a black lady mm -hmm. who wanted to complain about me because I wouldn't stop doing what I was doing mm -hmm. in the middle of it to take her order and I was like ma'am give me a moment so she was like I'm done I don't even want to talk to you I'm going to go to the manager and it was a young guy there um and she went to him and she was like um I want to complain about your employee um so he looked he say her and she was like yes aren't you the manager he said no he was <laughs> like she's actually the manager and it was like is it the fact that he was a black male that she automatically assumed he was over me mm -hmm. or what it was? So when she looked down at me, I said, how can I help you? <laughs> and she just walked away. And it was like, so not only is it white people that we feel feel some type of way or they disrespect us, it's also our own people. Yeah. That's why I say, that's why when I told my mom about it, she saying. 
people will always feel that way. As far as you being a female, they will never see you like higher than a male. And I was like, so, so, okay. in today's society, you feel like, and I see that look that you give me. I ain't even got a look over that. You feel like being a black woman and a black man, they'll never see you as equal. You're less than a black man. I feel it. Mm. Mm. How about you? Because you, you, you had that mm look. <laughs> How do, do I feel like a black woman will... Because it seems like I've heard... That's not the first time I've heard that. I've heard, you know, the black woman being less than a black man or treated less than a black man. So, speak. you look like you got a lot to say, too. About that. I'm not going <laughs> to... Go ahead. I'm going to say this. Say it. I feel Wrong. like black women are looked at more favorably very low on the mm. on the on the totem pole um in my personal opinion or my personal experience right. do i feel like that absolutely mm. not i feel like we are up here as black women i can honestly say i feel like or person of color um i i use black the, yeah, that term um it doesn't bother me yeah. um but I feel like we're up here because we hold it down we hold it down when it comes to to family to jobs to to, to school, education, everything. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of black women in, in all of our lives that were influential, oh, yeah. period. Okay. Whether it be our moms or whatever the case is. And sometimes fathers, too. Right. Um, but I feel like... <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. I, I like seeing that. Yeah. Fathers, too. I'm just speaking from my own experience, no, okay. of course. Um, but yeah, I, I've definitely seen times where people will go skip over the black woman and go talk to the to the man, mm-hmm. or just skip over the black woman completely and go talk to a white counterpart. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I've seen that a lot. I've definitely seen that again in my workplace as well and other places. So mm-hmm. um, let me ask you this question: Do you feel like segregation helped us, mm-hmm. or did it basically cripple us a little bit more? Segregation itself. I don't necessarily like to speak on things that are the past. I I didn't experience right. segregation, so that's not a topic I would I would want to 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 discuss. Obviously, shit is fucked up. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> shit is fucked up. Um, but I don't. I think there's a lot of good that has come out of integration. You get what I'm saying? We are seeing people that have a lot of success because of integration and things like that. Like imagine if the NFL was segregated. There would be no NFL because black people, you know, we're the superstars. You know what I'm saying? I love Tom Brady too. I'm glad. I'm glad. Listen. Go Tampa Buccaneers. Fuck the Buccaneers. Let me say that on here. Fuck the Buccaneers. Um... Uh, but again, even after integration, we're still s- separate ourselves right. in the community between colorism is another huge topic that mm. I really hope that you talk about. Oh, yeah. Because colorism is a huge, huge, huge problem in, in, amongst ourselves. Amongst ourselves, right. definitely. Right. And we'll, that we'll, we definitely, definitely got to talk about that. What about you, Paul? You was born in 1900. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, it fucked us up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember as a kid uh, being able to go to the local store with a note from my mom saying buy a pack of cigarettes, some bread, this, that, and the third, and just give the clerk the note. 
and the money, and he'll put it all together and give me the change, and I go buy some candy and stuff like that. But now, I I just can't understand why we wanted to sit down with the so-called enemy. I, I really, I'm not understanding that part, but I did do some research on Dr. King, and Dr. King eventually realized that he made a mistake, you know, with the integration thing, because we was fighting just to be able to sit down with them, and they didn't want us to be there. That's, that's a, people died for that, and that's very hard to swallow, you know, um, as, as time goes along, sure things have been better, you know. Right. Um, still, they treated the black NFL players like crap. They treated the NBA players like crap. They, you know, it's been time that we can, as long as we can dance, sing, and play sports, we cool. Mm -hmm. We cool with everybody. But as soon as you come back and be an intellectual and you're just thinking, then you are a problem. Because once you start speaking the truth, only one person got to hear it. Just one. It doesn't take millions. It's just one person that you got to open up their mind to be a free thinker and look at this situation for what it really is, the game that they're playing, how they're dividing us and keeping us divided. And we're just following right along with it, you know. And unfortunately, um, all the promising leaders that we had was taken away from us. And right. there's nobody at the helm right now. There's nobody there that you can actually point to except Farrakhan. You know what I'm saying? We got Minister Farrakhan. Farrakhan's the mm -hmm. only one. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But he can't do everything by himself. It has to be somebody else to come out, whether they're young, old, or whatever. It has to be somebody else to come out because we had the Panthers. The Panthers was the the avenue. Uh, a lot of people got the misconception of the Panthers, thinking the Panthers was just for us, which is not true. They were for the poor white people as well. If you do some research, you'll find out that they went to West Virginia to help the coal miners. If it wasn't for the Panthers, we would never have SNAP. So a lot of things that... Yeah, WIC too. But the thing <laughs> of it was is that the government was afraid of the black messiah. <laughs> and, uh, and we had him, Fred Hampton. Yeah. He was going to be the next one. I think they actually, uh, I want to say they're making a yeah, movie. Ju yeah, Judah, Judah and the black yeah. messiah. Yeah. yeah. So. And, it, and it's basically about this brother who got caught impersonating a police officer. And they convinced him to get into the Panthers to watch what Fred Hampton was doing, what it was doing, and all that, and report back to the government. And he found out later on that it was all uh, misconstrued as far as them being terrorists and this. He didn't see any of that. He saw them feeding the people. As long as they feel as though we would feed the people, they're going to kill us. You know, and, and it's sad to say, but that's our government. G-O-V-T. <laughs> and playing into uh, the division side of it, we go back to uh, what you was talking about, colorism. Mm -hmm. um, just give me your idea of what that is to you because it is, it's, it's, it, whether you're light 
or dark, it's like we're separating ourselves into these categories and being light can make you more beautiful than a woman that's dark, uh, make you more smarter than somebody that's dark, et cetera, et cetera. So. Well, I can honestly say I grew up feeling like I was so ugly. I mm. thought I was so ugly because I was not light-skinned. Mm. I did not have curly hair. I, I just did not feel beautiful at all. And my best friend um, at the time, gorgeous, light-skinned, curly hair, whatever, I always had all the guys. And my older sister on my dad's side also had really long curly hair. Mm. Um, and... I think also growing up, you know, you used to watch BT Uncut, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. You would see, you know, what? a lot of yeah. light skinned women. I never watched huh? BT Uncut, so I'm oh. not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've heard, like, heard of it. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> um, I used to see a lot of um, the light skinned women and I stuff like you. that. And I think um, with, the, with how social media is, um, especially now, I mean, you see it all the time. You see the the light skin, fake booty, fake ass, yeah. fake everything, yeah. get pushed to the top, and people who look because I'm not dark. I don't consider myself dark. So I think I'm I'm we're in the yeah, middle, right, you know. Right. Um, but I think colorism is is a huge thing. It's is is a is a huge problem in our community. Does that <clears throat> play a part in? Um, Let's see, maybe relationships as well, you feel? Like when it comes to men and women? What do you mean? Like, does, do you feel like men actually group into a man? I'm only dating light-skinned women. I used to be that way. I used to be like, I'm only dating light-skinned men. Mm. I only want a light-skinned man. He has to be biracial or whatever the fuck. Some stupid shit. Yeah. And then now, I won't even touch or look at a light skin man if they not dark skin i don't want them i want them chocolate 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 <laughs> my whole view changed i don't know but when it came to savannah state and when i got the experience of the hbcu i encourage everybody if you can to go to the hbcu it uh, really HBCU changed is, my life right definitely changed my life um but yeah i like chocolate man. there you go <laughs> what about for you because it looked like you had a lot to say too oh gosh i think the first guy that i ever liked I felt, I guess I felt ugly mm. because I really liked this guy. And I had to have been about 12. And he told me, I w he was like, oh, you're not the type that I like. And I'm like, huh? And at that age, I think he was like 14. Mm. And we all went to the same school, of course, because we're overseas. I was, we was in Germany at the time. And when I finally saw his girlfriend, she was light-skinned, curly hair, and... Mm. I realized that's what he liked. So mm. it was kind of like, okay, so I'm not light enough. And mm. I was like, oh, wow. So I, all this time, like, it literally took me, the first guy was Asian that actually I felt pretty. Yes, that's what I said. He, he <laughs> I, I actually did. I, I, mean, I felt hey, he. Right, sure. Then it was a white guy and Puerto Rican and... Mm -hmm. Like, it, it took, like, when we moved here, I was 16. Mm. That's why I say the first nigga that mm. I dated <laughs> was here. Okay. And I say that because he was loud, belligerent, ignorant, and it was different. Mm. And I think when I kind of sort of saw something different, I was like, but I was, I think the fact of what 
he that guy said to me overseas kind of stuck with me because at that point I was like okay light skinned people so I kind of like gravitated more and then I guess with the guys that I started talking to the ones that actually told me I was pretty it kind of stuck in my head Mm. so it was nothing to where I was like I ever even thought about a black man so being with him i was like okay this is different but it was fun it was an adventure i was 16 so it was an adventure (laughs) (laughs) so it was like we he he just opened a whole nother world for me i'm not gonna even say his name we kind of was we've been together like (laughs) on and off for like the past 12 years like I literally just ended it like in 2017 yeah that's yeah I have felt more love and respected by men of a different race than people Ooh, than, than mm. black men exactly. I, had, I, had a black, I had a black man literally call me a bitch this morning because I fell asleep literally <laughs> Like, I'm literally. sorry, that's not funny, okay. but it's literally, a dumb reason. Right? Right. Okay. I read you the text message. This man literally called me a bitch because I fell asleep or some shit. Like, literally, I'm like, what the fuck? Okay. And he apologized ever... later once I told him right, about right, himself. Right, right. But it's just like, for what? Because I fell asleep? Like, you felt entitled to my time? Like, you, entitlement is another motherfucking Ugh. issue. But you felt <laughs> so entitled to my time <laughs> that when I gave you my number, mm-hmm. I was just supposed to... Be available for you. Be available for you, bitch. Okay. But let me put this out there. Go ahead. Now, not saying that I don't... I've been open up to dark-skinned men, darker men now. But all before, I don't know. I think it was like towards my late... Like, towards like my mid to late... I was like... I started looking. I'm like, there's some fine chocolate (laughs) men around here. Like, where have they been? Like, it's, it's... and even, like, when I go on Facebook and I'm just strolling, because I think it was just the blinders, and then right. I'm looking, I'm like, Jesus. Right. And I'm looking at their pictures, I'm like, well, where y'all been at all my life? Mm. Like that's why I say it's, it's, it's different now, because I think as I've gotten older, like, I'm looking at them in a whole nother way, and the fact that of what that guy said to me it kind of was in the back of my mind like all this time and I didn't even realize it. Then when I look at it, I'm like, okay, sir, now you in your 30s, you bald and you date white women. Understandable now. So I kind of saw it and I guess (laughs) I guess what it took for me to actually see that for me to realize like it's It's, just he's not he doesn't like black women or he doesn't like darker women and I'm fine with that. I'm cool with it. The the what you just said about uh black men, um, your experiences with black men. So basically you're saying that your experiences with black men or dating them in the whole has been less than of dating someone outside. Right? The first man, black man that was supposed to love me didn't. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. you already start with that fracture <laughs> in my makeup already, you know? And then kind of moving from there, I never had any male relationships because my uncles were not around um i don't have any brothers and then so for that fracture to be in my be in my makeup and then to be sexually assaulted or molested by a 
black man as well, you know what I'm saying, growing up, mm-hmm. that it was fractured from the beginning. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I get it, I get it. And the reason I, because it's almost an, an outside mm-hmm. of your case, um, you always get, like, if we say as a black man, 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 black girls always got a bad attitude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was told I have a we'll wonderful cruci- personality. No, no, no. Not, say, not saying personal. I'm yeah. just saying. And it's not even me saying. It's just, you know, an example. We'll get crucified for shit like that. But, on the other hand, you'll hear a woman say... Niggas ain't shit. Niggas ain't shit. Niggas know? ain't shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like... <laughs> it's the ones you pick. Mm. Right, it's the ones you you pick. That's why I say I've never dated a black man. I've always dated niggas, Mm. and it took me a second to realize and understand that. Okay, now that you said that, and this is (laughs) you speaking from your personal experience, I respect that. What isn't that a form of? I can't really say colorism, but it's so. Uh, No, it's I wouldn't say it's a form because niggas is not saying directly black men that act ignorant we took that term Mm -hmm. and we allowed it be derogatory towards us niggas if you look it up or niggas nigger Mm -hmm. if you look it up it's a it's ignorance that's what it is so that's why i say i dated niggas i've never dated yes niggas i believe that's why i say i never dated a black man Mm -hmm. i've always dated niggas loud ignorant belligerent stuff like that that's why I say you have to make sure. Uh, I category, listen, I like I say, I've, I've, I love my black men, whether you light, dark, whatever. Right, so I would never categorize a black man mm-hmm. with a nigga. I would never do that because I mm-hmm. wouldn't disrespect them like that. Mm-hmm. That's why I say you have to make sure. That's why I said I never dated a black man. Yes. Okay. What about for you, Pops, on being a black man? Um, you know, has colorism played a part in who you date? Yeah, mm-hmm. first of all, I don't date black men. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't date niggas. <laughs> okay. That's black. Uh, yeah, it's you know joke the hell I only, out of my lifetime of 56 years on this planet. Real shit. <laughs> yeah, I'll be 57 in March. Wait, wait, Get wait, it right. Oh um. <laughs> I only dated one time out my race, one time, and she was a European, and it, it's a funny story, but it's a true story. Uh, I was 16 years old. She invited me to a cookout to a family's house. I never met them before. Didn't know she was cool and everything. We smoked weed together, everything. She she gave that wonderful head, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything was groovy, but you know, we went to, went, we were sitting down and was eating, and the first thing I noticed, you know, the macaroni and cheese wasn't good. It, it, it wasn't. The chicken was kind of dry. It tastes like wood, you know what I'm saying? But Damn. the first thing I heard was one of her relatives say "yeehaw," oh. and when I heard that, I got up from the fucking table and I never went back since. But me personally, okay, I, educate me on that one. What was that? Yeehaw? That, yes, I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm trying to. <laughs> she, uh, she, she's trying to know. All right, yeehaw, yeehaw is basically a term that the European use, the country that, that, that white niggas use when they write to 
lynch up one of us. Oh, okay. Okay. So when I heard that, I left. I never went back. You know, blah, blah, blah. blah. But to my sisters, <laughs> I'm going to say this. I like going to the ice cream store. I like all my flavors. I like the chocolate, mm -hmm. the dot chocolate, mm -hmm. the rum raisin, the butter pecan. Shout out to the flavors. The strawberries, <laughs> the mochas, all that. I, I don't really fuck with vanilla that much. <laughs> but everything else, I'll even deal with some Rocky Road there. Now, you know. What the hell is Rocky Road? Well, that's <laughs> See, see y'all youngins. See y'all youngins. My man over here, he looking at me. He, 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 he know he know what's going down. He know what's going down. He, he, he deciphered. He can decipher this. Oh, you can't Google this, girl. Exactly where he going. Uh-huh. But women, our women, I never look at you as bitches. Unless you do something to make me call you that. But I would not do it, just wake up one morning and say, hey, bitch, how you doing? <laughs> no, I won't do that. No, I, 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 it's it's going to be a response to make me call you that. Now, I might call you a hoe, but I won't call you the B word that much. But why, would you, why, would you why call I call him a hoe? Because a hoe is a grinder. A hoe is a grinder. Think about that. A hoe is a grinder. She's sitting on gold. If she's sitting on gold, she out there hoeing, she's making money, she's paying a bill, she's a grinder. You got to give her respect. You have to. That's the world's oldest profession. Okay, so in our term, when we say ho, we mean it to be like, you dog-ass ho. That's what I'm about to say. It's something like, like, well, I mean, you know. But in your in your term, it's coming up like, man, that ho on a game. She on a grind. You know what I'm saying? And that's that what turns me on more than anything. It's not about your body. It's about the fact that you It's the fact that back, you can go out there and grind on your own. Mm -hmm. If I need your help, you're going to be there. You know how the game goes. And you're not going to expect more out of me, and I'm not going to expect more out of you. We have what is called teamwork. We have an understanding, an agreement. Yeah. Okay? Some of y'all sisters want to come to the table with an empty plate and expect the man to fill the plate, give you the fork, give you the spoon, and the food, and the plate at the same time, and then you want to call yourself a boss. Come to the table with everything, Thank you. and men get intimidated because they ain't got nothing to bring to it. Thank but, you. but okay, okay, all right, okay, touche, touche. I'm about to say because I know some niggas, I, exactly <laughs> like because me personally can't speak for everyone. I got my own place, uh -huh. I work, uh -huh. I have my own car, uh -huh. I have. Other things that I do on the side to make money. Mm -hmm. Not no whole stuff. I do. I, so, a lot of guys, they are intimidated by that. Mm -hmm. yeah. But see, but see, this this the problem. Y'all looking at it materialistically. Not materialistically. No, no, no. Hold, 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 hold on, man. Okay, you, you Dad, brought up the car. <laughs> you ahead, brought up the car. You go brought ahead. up the house. You brought up this, that, and the third. Mm -hmm. I don't give a shit what you got materialistically. I'm looking at your mind. But that's I what I'm about to speak mind. on as well. I need your mind. I don't care if you come to if you come to my table with a plate and you got a fork and a spoon and a pea in the middle of that plate. But if that intellect is not there, then it's really nothing. It's just a It don't matter how much money so you have. That's why I say it's even because me and my brother, we have these talks. And he always laugh at me because 
he was like, you don't think like a normal female. Because even like when it comes to, and I gotta try to tell like any female I, I'm cool with, like if you doing something wrong, fix it. It's nothing wrong with apologizing. I know it's hard. But it's nothing wrong with apologizing. It's nothing. And I understand, like, as far as your intellect, if you can't connect with me on a certain level, then there's something wrong there because there's nothing that we can talk about. You know, you know what? I'm glad we touched on the subject. I got, a, I got an issue with this subject. And the issue is I feel like as a man, because we talk about the fart, the pot, the peas, the Martha Stewart gets it, whatever the hell it is. As a man... We can accept y'all, and this is personal, mm. but, but just being an intellectual. Yep. Most women can accept us for just being an intellectual if we come with none of that other shit. And so, see, hold on. That's what I was about to say to you. Yes. <laughs> like, you was like, oh, women are the one at the bottom. People view women as, as one at the bottom of the totem pole. I disagree with you a thousand percent on that because a dude can meet a woman. I'm going to use you for an example. Not saying it's you. A dude can meet her in the street, right? And she can be smart as hell. And she ain't got shit. And the dude will be like, you know what? I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He might not necessarily give her money. Mm-hmm. But if he talking to her and he find out, she could say, oh, I like to make t-shirts. Mm-hmm. A real man might be like, all right, I'm going to put you on to somebody who can give you t-shirts on a discount. Women, on the other hand... You could meet a dude in the street, and he might not have shit. And the first thing gonna come out your mouth, you might be like, I ain't fucking with this nigga, he ain't got shit. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you never know, because a lot of men have the potential, but women don't take the time to invest in men. So with that being said, mm-hmm. men are at Thank the bottom you. of the topo pole because women will never love a man that don't have shit. Thank you. Let me... Okay. 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 Go ahead, baby. I'm going to let you go ahead. I was talking about as like an entire society, gotcha. not just in the black community. I'm looking like from white people, Asian people, like I feel like black women are really low on the totem pole. So I wasn't talking about in the black community. I think we're doing good about bigging up, you know, the black woman now when it comes to that situation. So you said that a woman will. I, I don't agree with that. I think at times women invest too much time into some men. Mm. And we Thank stick you. around for too fucking long for a nigga who's just going to keep doing the same stupid shit that he's doing. You get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying, and, but I'm and, saying like a good guy. Uh, but right. a good guy, but I, I can't sit here and agree to that because I've met some great people. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That may not be where I'm at in life, and that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Because we all are on different roads. And if you can have a conversation and you have a plan that's different so you can be smart as fuck but if you're working at mcdonald's and that's all you're striving for then no i can't big you up but if you are working at mcdonald's and say hey i'm working at mcdonald's to pay for my night classes so i can get to here and then i can get to here and then i can get to here that's a huge difference and half the time if a man is picking up a bitch on the street he's just trying to get some pussy anyways and it just grows from there in my personal opinion that's true that's true well, go ahead. Okay, so as far as what you said about a female will see if she's doing better, she see a man, she won't, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Sorry, not to even, just the short term. Mm-hmm. Now, I was about 20, 21. A manager at Subway had my own store, everything. The guy I was dating, I was making more money than him. 
I even took it upon myself to hire him mm. where I was at. Mm-hmm. So don't ever say a female won't take a man and help him. Because if I felt like I was in a position to help him, of course. I gave him a job. I gave my brother a job. I gave my brother homeboys a job. So, but just to but put that out that, there, we're going to make, I'm gonna make sure anybody around sure. me have it. Okay. But do you think that's the majority of yeah. women? Are y'all the outlaws? I know. The I, think, I think the majority of women invest too much time oh, into that. Man. We hold men down. No, no, no. no. We ain't talk about child support, yeah. baby. And no, it's not child support, baby. Go, go, like, go on your social media, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And just look at how women talk about men who don't have right. shit versus men who talk about women who don't have right. shit. That's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not like saying all women society. don't. Yeah, today's yeah. society. I'm not saying all women mm-hmm. are willing to not invest in men. I'm just saying the majority of women are not. Mm-hmm. Like I say, just like the majority of men, like... Just being real with you. A man could meet a woman, just like you said, and she could just suck dick good. Yeah. And the nigga will be like, bro, I'm keeping her around. Her. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that could be the Hoover. But a woman will fuck with a dude, and he might could fuck the shit out of her. And she's going to be like, all oh, he is is dick. Dick. Mm-hmm. Yep. And come on, man. I can't, I, I'm sorry. I'll, I can't and disagree I can't with you. <laughs> Listen, man. I had a guy around just because yeah, just yeah. just because had, of that so i, well, I kind he of he a hoe <laughs> he is a hoe because you no paid him either yeah. by food or let the buy him some drawers or, or, or socks or something you did it right. and that's and I, that's why i say i kind of understand that because like i said i'm like just as listen it was this one guy who jesus <laughs> he put that beat down on you it was the it was it was the hair was so good. I just could not oh, back away. Yes, and I, it was like it was like I could not. So it was like I had to like literally like cleanse myself from him. Wow. It was just that. So I kind of understand where y'all coming from, but it's just no. You both you both have valid points, but we talking about today's society. Up to your point, I think years ago it was more of a, a you know girl hold your man down mm-hmm. situation. And then women was doing it, and some women still to this day do do it. But now, even with the younger generation, they don't they don't even want to hold a nigga down. It's just like fuck that nigga. If he can't get my BBL done, if he can't fly me to Paris, he can't do this and that and the third. That is you a, what well, who the fuck says that in real life? Who the fuck says? That? Oh, there's a lot of women out there that do that. Oh, there's a lot. Of women. Like, I feel like. This ain't no made-up shit. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, but no, I've never sat here and said, and this is me, and I don't think any of my homegirls have been like, oh, he can't buy me a BBL. He ain't buy me no motherfucking charger. I can't like. I understand there's women like that, but that's not all. If we're literally looking at, but that's the same. But you have to think about like some women were raised off of survival and some women were raised off of love. As well as men too. Exactly. That's why I say I was raised from off of love like I'm called the silver spoon kid like everything and I take that title I don't care cause I know if I need if I need it my mom and daddy gonna get it for me call it no hands down I I was working and my parents were still putting money in my account but see but see your fortune has that's that's why I say you some were raised off of survival and some was raised from love for me it was it was straight survival because (laughs) Granted, I love my father. Nothing against my father. But we understand, you know, ever since my children are here, he's been here. You know what I mean? But it was just mostly me and my mother. 
and growing up, it ain't like my mother had the best education. It ain't like she had um, a, a house given to her or no, you know, family wealth or anything of that nature. It was projects, discounted bread stores, family dollar, dollar store toys on Christmas. You understand? Mm-hmm. So it was nothing of that generational uh, wealth. In your case, that's very fortunate. Well, and I and I do agree. Some people raise on love, some survival because you try to balance it out, but it's hard. You know what I'm saying? It's really hard. My mother, she hard as hell. Shout out to my mom, dude. Yeah. I love you. Punk it! <laughs> um, but, you know, the thing about growing up with love and all that, I, ne- I didn't grow up with love. At first, I did. But when my pops passed at 15, being the only child was just me and my mom, and her English wasn't good. She wasn't working nowhere. So, hustle came into the game. And when Hustle came into the game, that opened up a lot of doors to meet other Europeans that um, dwelled in the same circle. The plugs. The plugs, per se. So, um, hmm. it's, it's, it's weird to hear my son say that because I remember the day that I received a letter from the Child Support Services tracked me down. <laughs> and uh, they produced a letter to me that was written by my son. Um, that shit broke my heart. It broke my heart and, and it, it actually brought me down to a uh, bare level, but ever since that letter, we've been kicking it ever since then. We haven't looked back at all. We, we try to build on what we have and we build on top of that. Now, Y'all are two beautiful sisters are sitting here. I'm just going to give you a word of advice from an old man. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's not always about your looks. It's not always about what you can do for me. It's about what you are doing while I'm down. Are you, do you have my back? Do I feel comfortable when I wake up in the morning and I see you go to work and I'm, I'm hurting do I feel comfortable enough to say, look you in your eyes and tell you, hey, have a good day. I love you. You know, thank you. Mm-hmm. That is what needs to be done. The women of today, the younger women of today, don't have that moral thing because they are so bent on, uh, on uh, merchandise, materialistic things, hair, nails, car notes, uh, cable bills, rent, all of that, and it's not really necessary because if you really like a person, you be with that person. You hold right. that person down, right. whether they go through good or bad. I've been with the same woman for 11 years. You see what I'm saying? We not even married, and no, I'm not marrying her ass. <laughs> but, you know, I know her potential, and, and I know I always uh, got her back, you know. Um, but some of y'all women out here, y'all are just money hungry. And, and you come to the table with an empty plate, styrofoam plate at that. And, <laughs> and don't even get a real plate, you got a styrofoam plate. <laughs> you got a styrofoam plate and try to heat up the food in the well, microwave. Can we get us a gold plate plate something? <laughs> and that's the same too. We ain't just saying it's just women, it's men that do it too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I know it's niggas that ain't shit. Yeah. And I know it's niggas that I've seen some of my homegirls invest in too. And I'll be like, God damn, you still investing into this nigga? You still going to get another I feel hit. <laughs> I feel like to bring it 
full circle. Yes. I think to have a better experience being a person of color in America, uh -huh. it starts a lot with the family structure. That's very and true. I think if we have two parent households, you know, uh -huh. um, it'll definitely help change from being raised on survival to being raised on love, uh -huh. you know. And I think it'll impact the woman, how we carry ourselves. Because I, I know sometimes I think by having a one-parent household, we've created sometimes the two independent women. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Yeah. And I've, I've fallen into that place where I don't trust a man to do shit for me. Like, yeah. and, I've, I, and people I've dated, I, that's what I've heard. Like, you don't trust me at all. You don't trust me when I say I'm going to do you something. You want a man to be a man. But I've never seen a man be a man. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm just going off of what I've experienced. Yeah. So that creates the cycle. But that's why I'm trying to break down all these beliefs that I grew up on mm -hmm. to, to make sure if I do get into a relationship or I do have a kid that I don't place those same things on my child Thanks. so I can stop the cycle. Well, yes. as far as a two-parent household, even though I grew up with one and mm -hmm. like I say I grew up on love, it's not when your parents, my parents worked all the time mm -hmm. like my mom always had a job my dad of course being in the military mm -hmm. so in all honesty the longest i've seen my parents live in the same household was for three years mm -hmm. they've been married 30 almost 35 years and mm -hmm. the longest i've seen them live together is three years mm -hmm. so even and like even though i had this conversation with my daddy and he was a little drunk. <laughs> he, my dad is a function one. He's a functional uh, alcoholic. <laughs> he could be able to shed a deck everything while he drinks. But because he's a contract overseas, so, you know, they can't drink. So when he come yeah. over here, he enjoy himself. So, and like I say, I tell, I tell my dad, I my daddy, I say, you know what? I said, if you and mama would sit out of there tomorrow, I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know how to do anything. And I say, I'm not saying that y'all were bad parents. I say, but even though so y'all failed, I say you failed me as parents because I know I never knew how it was to struggle. I don't know how it is to not have your bills paid. Mm -hmm. Like if I call my mom and say, hey, can you put $20 on my lights or anything like that? She'll put a hundred or right. she'll put, so, so it's kind of hard. So let me ask you that. Do you feel, and that's not to cut you off. No. When you say they failed you, because initially as a parent, you want the best for your child. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And that's what my daddy was saying. Cause right. he kind he kind of felt hit, but I was like, no disrespect not to try to say anything. I say, but in all reality, it didn't allow we you don't to, know. It didn't take the training. I, exactly. So yeah. even now at 30, I could call my mom now and say, Hey mama, uh, I need some gas. Gotcha. She'll send me the money. And I've, like I said, I've never known to not have. Right, See, if you would have said to call me and ask me for some gas, the first thing I would have said, are you near public so you can get some can of beans or something? <laughs> <laughs> Eat them cold and you have all the gas you want. But see, like, with, with the you, the kind of what you were saying, like, I'm the exact opposite. Like, I grew up in a single-parent household with my mom. My dad bounced when I was one. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I'm glad that nigga left because... It taught me how to survive. You know what I'm saying? But then I also was blessed with the same opportunity because I had older niggas around me right. who would be like, hey, cuz, don't do this shit. And right. that's what that's really what got the black man fucked up right now yeah. is we don't have no older cats exactly. to tell the younger cats, don't do this yes. shit. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember one instance when I was, uh, I think I was 13, I was in eighth grade, and I was supposed to be at football practice. And some niggas came through my neighborhood and shot one of my older homeboys. And so I was like, man, fuck that. We're going to go get this nigga now. 
And they was like, no, you go to football practice. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, like, that right there just let you know that um, if my dad would have been around, I wouldn't, I don't know what the fuck I would have been like. Right. But I know that just having my mom around, my mom working, I was able to move around in the exactly. streets and see other things. But I also had older homeboys who was like, nah, man, don't do that. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? Don't do this. So, like, I'm the exact opposite of you. I'm glad my dad wasn't around. You know what I'm saying? Now, granted, you do miss out on certain things because you ain't had no man around to teach you how to fix cars or right. shit like that. Yeah. But at the same token, I knew how to get money early right. and not necessarily on some sell drug shit. It was like, I know how to make money. Yeah. Like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So can like, I ask you a question, though? Mm-hmm. Do you have any kids? Nah. Okay, so I can answer. Nah. And like, that's like one of the biggest things with me is now by not having a dad around, Growing up, I know what not to do. Like, I watched my mom bust her ass with three jobs. Mm-hmm. So I also know if I ever get married, I'm never going to let my wife work right. two jobs. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, it's just kind of like, I guess, different perspective on different things. Right. But see, I understand that because, it. well, it's me and my sister are my mom's only two kids left. So my sister, I told her, I'm like, you just like mom and daddy. Like, my sister works like constantly mm-hmm. and she gives her kids everything they want beyond what they want and me personally like i'll be me and my kids go to the park we do this because and i'm because i'm looking at it like i'm not gonna give y'all what y'all want i'm giving y'all what y'all need right. like i go to walmart and spend 200 dollars on school supplies mm-hmm. but i'm not spending 200 dollars on a game system and call like if I go all out, it's going to be for your birthday, Christmas, stuff like that. But my sister, she bought, like, two PlayStation 5, like, just all out. But 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 that's her right. And that's why I say you know I saying? want, and I think it's more so of, because I look at it, right. and I spend, like, I love my sister to death. But I, I feel like I spend more time with her kids than she do. Okay. So that's why I say, and I was trying to tell, I say, you know, you're just like mom and daddy. But she, cause because she, she works, right. like she's she gonna make her money. Like right. she, at one point, she had three jobs, and I'm like, and that gracious. again, that's that with different people. Like for me, I was I was natural born hustler. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I started out drawing pictures and going door to door, selling them shits for a dollar. Not ask for mom or nothing because I knew <coughs> she worked a day job and a night job sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it got to a point where I was taking her shoes. She would she got disconnect from some shoe people, and they used to you know shit just used to fall in my lap. <laughs> so I used to take them shoes and go sell them myself without her knowing anything. But I would take the money and you know make sure the money is where she can find. Them. I might throw money here and there, but that's just what I do. I know that I could take a dollar given from any one of y'all, and by the end of the week, it's going to be at least $100 from that dollar. That's just what I'm born with, naturally. And it's not the fact that my dad wasn't there. It's just my mom was a real street nigga. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know Pocket what I'm saying? street, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's just, we choose what we want to do as far as parents, because I'm a parent, and sometimes you want, giving the best is materialistic. Right. Sometimes giving the best is the most time. But these days, if you got a lot of time, you ain't got a lot of money. Yeah. That's just how it is. Yeah. 
Look, realistically. I, I, you see, I didn't say nothing. Yeah, I didn't real, say nothing. For, for majority. Right. For majority. Because right. if you have, you can have a career. Like, granted, my career is great. But, you know, I work 10 hours a day. And I make good money. But it's not enough for what I want to do with my life and my kids' life. Right. It's not enough to put me in a position of wealth. It's just in a position to get by and to make things work for right now. And to invest into other things to then make wealth. So I get what you're saying, but you know, again, you keep saying what I experienced. See, you were fortunate. You were fortunate mm-hmm. to have two parents, and they wanted the best for you, so they thought that was you know giving right. you everything off the back. You know what I'm saying? It might not have prepared you to survive in a sense, mm-hmm. but at least you got a head start a little bit compared yeah. to other people. You know what I mean? So shout out to your people. Shout out to everybody, people. You know. Granted. Now, let's talk about one last subject before we get out of here. Does, do you feel like that being, and I'm just going to say this part, African American or black or, you know. <laughs> I'm that's got you thinking. <laughs> yeah. I'm the original do you one feel now. Like that plays a part in um, this, this look of being depressed because I always feel like America sees us as like we just depressed and we complain and we we just uh, always got something to say, you know, about America in a sense. Do you feel like it plays a part in your depression? Because we all have been at one point in our life depressed. I know I have and sometimes I still go through it. Some people's cases are more severe than others. You know what I'm saying? So do you feel like being African American that plays um, a huge role and surviving basically in today's society how about for you because i know you like go ahead no go ahead oh well i was gonna say when it comes to mental health i think the stigma sometimes in the black community is horrible yes i wish that we had more mental health professionals in our community and helping um the youth because i've experienced depression anxiety the whole nine i've been on medication i try to do all holistic things now um, to deal with it. Um, I don't think being black necessarily mm-hmm. adds into my depression. Um, but sometimes I feel isolated because I don't necessarily feel like there's somebody I can talk to about it. Right. I had a panic attack. I've never had a panic attack before. I had a panic attack in November where I literally thought I was going to die. Like I was like, I'm going to die. And I was too afraid to call my dad to let him know because I felt like he wouldn't even be able to receive it because he's a, you know, grew up in Texas, you know, real, like, used to eat dirt. That's one of his favorite stories. Like, his, <laughs> not for real, like, yeah. like, how he looks at things is completely different. Right. And I wish that we were able to have more open conversations and because we... We need help. If we're yeah. going to sit here and go to the doctor for our body, I think we also need to make sure that we go to a, a mental sure. health professional just to talk about certain things. Because a lot of people are out here with undiagnosed bipolar, mm-hmm. undiagnosed uh, PTSD, undiagnosed whatever. And because of that, it leads them to alcohol, to drugs, to mm-hmm. other addictions like sex or shopping or gambling or whatever the case is, you know? Um, so, yeah. No, you make a valid point with that, uh, especially when you said PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, because I always tell people, especially those in the military, uh, I've seen so much shit in my lifetime, you know, growing up in the projects of Section 8, that you ain't supposed to see. 
when you eight, right. nine years old, or just out here with your homeboy, some shit happened, you see the mother get a head popped off. Right. And you live with that image. Sometimes you can't go to sleep. Right. You know what I'm saying? How is it they can get help from being in the military going in a foreign country and doing the shit, but we can't. And then they show them, they, they look at you down because you go through these things, and like you said, you get addicted to drugs, you get addicted to alcohol and sex, etc. Mm-hmm. So I definitely know what you mean on that aspect. Well, usually the, the drugs and alcohol, let me say this, it, it's the relief. Yeah. What we're addicted to is validation or, right. or getting love or whatever the case is. When we can't th- get that, we use alcohol, whatever the case is, right. as to relieve that. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Very true. Mm. Okay, like <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I wouldn't say that. I really didn't realize I was dealing with depression. Um, I it it didn't hit me until my brother was killed, mm. and um, I actually me and my brother was really close, like to the point where we thought we were twins. Like everything he did, I did. Like. I had my whole tomboy phase, like everything, like, cause it was just me and him and we were closer in age. So when he was killed, it was, it, it, it was a whole nother thing for me because without him, I just felt like at that point I couldn't function yeah. it, and it got to the point to where I, I tried to commit suicide cause it was like. And I wasn't even thinking about my kids. I didn't think about nothing. All it was was my brother was gone. And one of the stipulations for me to be able to leave, um, because, of course, when you leave the hospital, they send you straight to, um, I end up having to go to Coastal. And the lady, um, I wasn't eating. I wasn't participating. I wasn't doing nothing. The lady was like, I'm trying to get you out here, but you have to do what you have to do. And I'm like... For what? Like, it, it just wasn't in me. Like, I wasn't thinking about my kids, no nothing. It was just the point that I knew my brother was gone. And I think I had talked to another girl, and she told me her situation. I was like, gosh, everybody goes through something. Mm-hmm. And she was like, just do what they're telling you to do. She was like, we're going to both get out here together. She was like, so I started eating, started participating, all that good stuff. And the lady told me. She said, in order for me <coughs> to leave, I had to tell, I had to see a counselor. So she talked to my mom. My mom said, I'm going to make sure she sees someone. And I kept telling my mom that this was 2015. Mm-hmm. Now, we in 2021 now. Mm-hmm. I still haven't gone to see anybody. Mm-hmm. And when my mom continuously asked me about it, and she's like, well, why are you not doing it? Why are you not doing it? It's just like, like, I tell her, and I say, not trying to, you know, be disrespectful. I say, but I'm not going to talk to somebody who don't know what I'm dealing with. <coughs> I say, you can't tell me how to feel if you haven't lost a sibling. You can't tell me what I need to do to get over it. I'm like, because it's not possible. So, it's kind of sort of with me, mm-hmm. even though even though I know I still go through things. Because even like you say, when, when during depression, you... Things soothe you. Like me, it's shopping. Like, oh, Lord. I, <laughs> I shop so much to the point to where I have clothes from last year. Like, that you haven't worn yet. I haven't even worn yet. 
Yeah. This is my first time wearing this. Like, I just, so it's kind of like, I understand. I got shoes. I counted the last time I kind of had 70-something pair of shoes. Yeah. With two feet. Two. Exactly. <laughs> I got just unnecessary stuff. I didn't even realize I had two of some things in my closet till right. I actually went through it. And I understand it because when I'm up, when I feel myself going through something, mm-hmm. I'll get on Amazon or I'll get on Fashion Over, I'll get on DSW, I'll go wherever. And it's like the fact that I know I just brought something, I'm excited yeah, about it. Then yeah. I'm waiting for it to come. So that's an anticipation. Then when I get it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm excited. Then it's like, I'm starting to feel down yeah, again. That's that's your escape in a sense. Good. And that, that's why I say yeah. I understand that. Yeah, that's a cycle of relief. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And what I would say to you as somebody, I get that sentiment about not wanting to talk to somebody who mm-hmm. does not understand what you're going through. But when my mom passed away, had I not been in counseling, I mandatory had to go to counseling at Savannah State Child to SSU. Because I, I got, I failed a whole semester because I, I was getting fucked up every day. And now at 26, I realized I was just numbing myself that whole time because my mom was about to die. Um, mm. But it's going to keep coming up in other places until you heal that. You know what I'm saying? And that's just, it's a scary <laughs> thing. Healing is fucking scary, bro. I, in November, after my panic attack, I was like, I need to get help. I started uh, back seeing a counselor and I started talking about things and shit that I don't, my mind had put a block on some shit so I wouldn't relive it or think about it. Like our brain will do crazy shit to protect us. I mean, I understand that. Like, I haven't even gone out. I know where my brother is buried. Mm I just don't. I don't know the plot. I don't know nothing. Mm. I've never. I couldn't even watch them take. I couldn't even watch them take him out the church. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go to the gravesite. Like, I. I haven't even visited. And this so will be sixty years, yeah, and I haven't even visited him. That's still. Yeah. It's gonna come out. I just feel like ways. I just. I, and I know, and I just feel like I can't because I don't want to accept the fact that he's gone. But and I know I have to sooner or later. But it'll it's, be. It's, it'll I'm, be. I don't think I'm ready to those to the point to where it's like. I know I have to do something because I find myself like having crying spells and I'm just like okay. How how old how old are your children right now? Um, twelve, um, nine, seven, and four. Okay. Um, the reason I ask because I know talking to someone would benefit them as well because eventually, you know. They'll have to deal with you being in an emotional state. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the truth. That's just what it is. So, and it's not even to uh, pick on you, you particularly, but this is for anyone. Like, believe me, I've said my mother is dealing with a brain tumor right now, mm-hmm. okay, and lung cancer. And every day I have to hear how bad she coughs. She can't even eat regular food; it has to be blended up, and she can't even drink regular water; it has to be substituted. And what in about two weeks she has to go for 37 treatments of chemo which Um, is the most chemo you can get known to man and so she'll be there from february 8th until march 30th my god when you talk about having to to discuss a will and talk about life insurance policies and being the only child that shit is real so you have to discuss that and talk about it you know what i mean yeah. And then you have to go out here and deal with these folks and how they treat you yeah. at your job. Yeah. Yeah. Then you got to deal with your children's mother. <laughs> then, you know what I mean? It's just real shit. But I do know eventually 
I gotta talk to somebody because if I don't, no. I will fuck somebody up. Yeah. That's that's exactly what happens every time with me or before when I was younger, especially in college. I would like something will trigger me. I'm talking about bad, yeah. and I just fuck shit up. I'm talking. I'm breaking everything. Yeah. I'm punching bitches and they fa- excuse me. This is no, my right. like, yeah. This is my own, like, I'm, I'm fucking shit up. You know. Yeah. I'm, I'm more saying? emotional. Versus being aggressive. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm very emotional. So, if something doesn't go my way, I'm just like, don't cry, don't cry. But I'm very, and I kind of, so my mom is like, oh my gosh, stop it, stop it. I'm like, I can't help it. Like, I'm, I'm like a water bucket. So, and, and I think it was like one time I didn't have, I, I needed to go to work and I didn't have a babysitter. And, and it was just thinking, like, if my brother was here, I wouldn't have to worry about this. And I started crying because I'm like, oh, this is what I don't need today. And, like, I had to call out of work everything because it was just the whole point of me knowing if he was here, I wouldn't have to worry about this. If he was here, I would have been good. And it just got to the point to where I'm just like, I know I have to talk to somebody. Right. I'm open to talk to someone. It's just the matter of who is going to be yeah. And and I understand that as well because, um, you know, touching on subjects as far as um, sexual abuse when it comes to women, 90% of women I've ran across or dated have all been abused in a sense or one way or another. And 50% of them don't talk about it because they feel like, why well, talk to someone they can't relate through the same pains or the struggles I went through? Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to even say that you understand when you don't, especially as a man to a woman, because you can't get that back. And then just the thought of being in their shoes when you go through that process is surreal. You know, somebody took something away from them that you can never get back. You know what I mean? But the first process is talking to someone that's not going to be biased uh, based upon what you went through or judge you or anybody. They don't know you. That's the best part. You know what I mean? They don't know you. I actually had a guy on... One of my exes, he was like, um, please tell me you haven't gone through anything traumatic. I'm like, what? No, well, see, that's bullshit. And I said, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? He was like, because, and it was on that aspect. And I was like, um, no. Well, and he was like, listen, you like one of the first females I've dealt with that haven't done. I'm like, that's calm. But, of course, me coming from where I'm yeah, from. Yeah. It's totally it's, it's, words, right? Yeah, it was well, like, what? And that's just because he hasn't experienced the reality. Like from, and again, this is not too, too, man, we could call my mom called But that's not to uh, bring you into, you know, my world. But experiencing that, dating women that's been through that, and even with my mother. My mother, you know, just to be real, told me about the situation. When she was 15, the very same thing happened. She was left on the side of the road for dead in a blanket. Mm-hmm. And she told me this before I was 21. And she told me this not to scare me, but to bring in the reality. And that way, if I was to come across a woman that went through this, mm-hmm. I can somewhat understand, not all the way, but I can have empathy and sympathy for the fact that she went through this. Because it may be times she might not want to talk. It may be times she might not want to be touched. And if she is touched, it may trigger something. So, you know. Right. But again, talking to someone will, will definitely help, and that's for all of us. I think I think also too that depression um, that we face is hereditary. Mm. It's passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation, especially us. Okay, 
you you have people walk around here that got post traumatic stress syndrome like crazy and don't even know it. You got kids eight years old that's PTSD certified. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, but me personally, being the only child is the hardest mm -hmm. because just imagine one day you're talking to your father, laughing and joking, and 13 hours he's dead. Then one day you take your mother to the hospital because she's not feeling well. She tells you to go get lunch. You come back. She's in a coma. And then two days later, you have to sign a piece of paper to take her off life support. Now, every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, every birthday, I do not want to be bothered. I understand that. Because when I walk... In order for me to be peaceful with myself, because I can fuck shit up too. I can turn some shit up. I know I can. But in order for me to be peaceful with myself, I have to sit back and close my eyes and smell that the food that was cooking, that she used to cook, or that smell or that voice in my head. I have to go through that. And people talk about, well, you, you know, you, 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 uh, anti-social, you anti this. No, I, I'm not anti anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just going through something, and it's the best way for me to deal with it. And if you can't respect that, then it is what it is. But you cannot understand what I go through. Right. You'll never, ever, ever understand what I go through. You know, you can't understand how it feels to take the person, the last person that you love off of this planet and carry and carry that with you for 20 years. That is something that nobody can talk to me about. I'm the only one that can deal with that. And I choose to deal with it in my own way. And it is what it is. Ooh, man. Yeah, get real. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that. Like, that's my my first Thanksgiving last year is, like, I actually participated. Like, because I just, I knew my brother wasn't going to be there. So, it's like, I don't want to. And Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I love to eat. But I just don't want to be around. I just didn't want to be around anybody. Mm -hmm. Like, my birthday, I get, my birthday come around, that's it. Like, I get so down because... He will go all out for me. So it was like, yes. I don't even know what to do now. So I understand. Uh, it, I, I mean, understand. You know, uh, people, young, first of all, I never, I wanted to say this. This is my first time being my son's um, podcast. Yeah. And I want to say this. I'm very proud of that young man. I know what he went through, and I was sorry that I couldn't be there to be with him. But I wouldn't trade him in for nothing in the world. He's very strong. When I talk to him, I see myself. Oftentimes, I sit back and I laugh with him, and I say, you know, you sound just like me. I have a 13-year-old grandson who is my heart. Today, um, we was driving, we was talking, and he was telling me something about something he studied in school, in Greek philosophy. 
And I listened to the young man, and I just basically told him to research everything. Mm -hmm. Just because a person tells you or a teacher tells you this person did this, this person did that, don't believe it. Research it for yourself. Find out for yourself. And uh, this past Christmas, he had uh, sent me two books. So uh, I read both books, very wonderful. And so I did something in return. I provided him with two books. Two books are out of my library, The Art of War and The Jew, The Negro. If you had never read them books, I would advise you to do so. You might find out some very important information. But I'm very proud of heavy traffic. I'm very proud of QBR, Lance, everybody's involved in it. I want to thank you for being upstanding men, doing something positive. That's the key point, positive. Because if we don't do nothing positive, ain't nothing positive gonna come out of our life. Yeah. We're gonna leave our kids on the side, we're gonna leave the elderly alone, and we're just gonna wait on somebody to take care of us. We need to stop that. We need to start doing something positive for our communities. And that's what I love about my son. He doesn't think for his, about himself, he thinks for others. And that's a, a wonderful gift to have. Everybody don't get along with everybody. But for some reason, he's a magnet. And that says a lot about him. The, the title they used to give to me back in the days was the Fisher of Men. That's his title now. He's the Fisher of Men. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines now. Because you're old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I appreciate that, Pops. No problem. Real yeah. shit, man. Listen, it's already been an hour and a half, and we ain't even know it. That's how fast it goes. You know what I mean? And it's <laughs> definitely been a subject for the realist. Um, I know a lot of people are going to appreciate this episode. I'm going to allow y'all to introduce yourself one more time. If you have any businesses, any events, any pop-up shops, anything coming out that's associated with you, now would be the time to tell them where to find it and who you are. I'm going to start with you like we did before and go around. Um, well, I'm Shay. Well, this is not my business personally, mm. but my mom does. Um, Mama! <laughs> she is out at Henderson's um, golf course. She does the cooking out there. And Monday through Friday, yes, she does her own cooking. Um, she have her specials, and on the weekends, she has whatever else you would like to order. Mm -hmm. And I'll be out there sometimes. Perhaps. I got one question before we slide on my clock. <laughs> When's Cinnabon? Oh my God! Listen, I done been attacked on Facebook about Cinnabon, about a twenty dollar post. Yeah. Like they don't know that your your people run Cinnabon. She in Savannah, she Cinnabon. Like this. Oh my goodness! Listen, I'm not even gonna call a girl name, but she yeah. kept talking about, "Well, I need twenty dollars, baby." Listen, <laughs> listen, I can pay your rent and everything else. Don't even talk to me about no money. But no, um, as far as Cinnabon. We did have a few dates that we wanted to open up, but as far as right now, it all is it's been left in mall management's hand. Okay. And unfortunately, they have doubled the rent. Mm -hmm. 
Oglethorpe? At Oglethorpe Mall. Ooh. Yes, mall management wow. has doubled the rent, so. Wow. Well, see, why I walked through that day, that thing looked like a ghost. To and her. that's wow. why they, um, because, of course, even though they receive bailout money, mm-hmm. is basically, is. they're looking at it like, all the stores receive yeah. bailout money. So they're basically trying to get that rent back from the time they were closed mm-hmm. as well as now. So, of course, they doubled the rent. Right. You sorry, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't harass Cinnabon. Don't harass my mama. Don't harass, don't harass me. It's all left up to the mall. So y'all talk to mall management. Y'all call them and harass them about when Cinnabon is opening back up. All right. Go ahead. You had more. You want more? A uh, shout out to Moms for the Henderson Golf Course. You know, restaurant thing. I think she's trying to put together some things as far as um, getting the community uh, more involved on the golf course as well. Um, so, you know that that'll come in due time. And uh, shout out for you. Thank you for coming. For, you know, of course. With you. you know her, and we rocking. You. you know how we rocking. <laughs> All right, pops. Go ahead. All right, I'm Smitty Johnson. Smitty. Um, wow, companies, huh? Mm-hmm. Triple OG Apparel mm-hmm. uh, is one of my companies. T-shirts, tumblers, uh, rolling trays, airbrush work. Need those. Everything. <laughs> everything you can think of. TripleOGApparel.com. Uh, you can also check me out at Triple Apparel. Triple OG Apparel at Outlook.com. Telephone number 904-551-8663. Holla at your boy. In August, I'm coming out with uh, G.L. Smith and Associates. Uh, that will pertain. I am a public notary. I do have a commission. I'll be uh, doing uh, mobile notary and mm-hmm. online notary. Also, I'll be opening up a credit restoration um, department in my company, and along with judgment recovery, um, I also do stand-up comedy. And voiceover work as well. <laughs> Holla at your boy. <laughs> and one thing left too. Weed is not drugs. <laughs> Once again, weed is not drugs. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> go um, Asha Gilbert. Um, I work for the Savannah Morning News. Um, to the black community, mm-hmm. give us a chance. There you go. I'll go ahead and announce that I am the head of our new newsletter coming out hey. um, called The 912. Um, so... It's going to be called the 912. I came up with the name and it's geared strictly towards the black community. And I'm really excited about that. I also do a lot of paintings. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can just follow me on Instagram, Asha G Media. Follow me on Twitter, Coastal Asha. And then on Facebook, Asha Gilbert. A-S-H-A Gilbert. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, let me spin the block. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. But no, um, yeah. Well, Shay's had it. Okay. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Mm-hmm. I also do my little story times on Snapchat. I have go. a few people um, that kind of enjoy them. Where it shows my more intellectual side. Pops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I do talk about different things as far as relationships. Um, I always get the question, why are you single? Hate that question. Would we'll never answer question. it. Um, just about different things, and I'm also about to start something when I'm looking up with my brother called Shay's Review, basically doing Netflix shows, products, Hulu, whatever. So keep an eye on that as well. Oh, yes. I forgot one thing. I forgot one thing. One thing. One thing. Sorry. One thing. This, sorry. This, this is important. Shit. I'm also um, in, involved with a nonprofit organization called Finding Fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, we are in 
we are trying to make it so these fatherless children will have someone to come to. We're trying to provide support services uh, to individuals, whether or not it be legal services, counseling, or whatever you need. Uh, check it out. You can go to www.findingfathers.org. Go to the website, peep it out. You can peep me out on uh, Facebook as well. I don't do a whole lot of Snapchat or anything like that, but I'm Smitty for Real Johnson on Facebook. Yes, I do talk real shit. So, uh, oh, we know. Please, if you, if you respond to me and you think I'm going to be nice and clear and honest, no, I'm not. I'm going to be for real, for real. I'm a free thinker. I'm the most dangerous man walking on this planet right now. So you, you need to respect that. And it is what it is. Pay. All right. So for me, you already know it's your boy Questions by Roy. You can follow me on Instagram at Questions by Roy. You can follow my personal page at Roy B Asking Questions, and that's B Three um, Asking Questions. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and hell, make sure you follow us on all uh, streaming platforms as far as Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and the list just keeps going on and on. Um, I do have events coming out that I ain't going to release just yet. Just wait and stay tuned. Um, I will say that I have a venture coming out where I'm about to be an an A&R for a producing company, a record company. Um, I am a brand ambassador for It's Cake, so make sure you follow them as well. And the list going to keep going until I'm worth probably $100 million. (laughs) Your boy. Your boy. Uh, This has been episode 28, and we are out. Bye. Can we go get drinks now? It's your boy Trill. Thanks for listening to Questions by Roy. Make sure you subscribe to all streaming platforms such as iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Stitches for you snitches. You have to subscribe, man. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Hit the like button. Double tap. Get the fucking, you know, couple hearts in that bitch, you know. <laughs> lights on, lights off. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about.